This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Books Network. This is Morteza Hajizadeh, your host from Critical Theory Channel. And today we are honored to have Professor Jeffrey Roberts with us. Uh, Jeffrey Roberts is a historian, biographer, and a political commentator. He is an emeritus professor of history at the University College Cork and a member of Royal Irish Academy. He is a renowned specialist in Russian and Soviet foreign and military policy and an expert on Stalin and the Second World War. And he's here to talk uh, with us about his latest book, Stalin's Library, a Dictator and His Books, published by Yale University Press in 2022. Uh, Jeffrey, welcome to New Books Network. Hi. Hello. Good. Uh, can you, uh, just to for the benefit of our audience, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell us about your field of expertise and how you became interested in that field? Right. Well, I, 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 I work at uh, university, well, I did work at University College Cork uh, in, in Ireland. Um, I'm now an, what's called an, an emeritus uh, professor. <clears throat> um, but originally, I'm not Irish. Originally, I, I'm English or British. I, I came from. Uh, I, I was. I, I was. I, I'm from London, basically. Um, and then in 1992, I moved to Ireland to take up um, an academic post at University College Cork, and I've been here uh, ever since. Um, <clears throat> my field is. Um, I'm a specialist in. Uh, my main specialism would be Soviet history. Yeah, uh, particularly, yeah, particularly foreign policy, uh, diplomacy, and military stuff particularly about the, um, the Second World War, and uh, particularly about Stalin as well. Excuse me. Um, so, okay, so, so, so Soviet history, that, that, that's my, that's my uh, thing. How did I get into Soviet history? Well, originally it was a, a, a political interest, yeah? Uh, in the 1970s and also in the 1980s, I was a, a left-wing political activist, uh, so I was interested in Soviet socialism, yeah? Uh, so, so I, I, I engaging with with Sov- the history of the Soviet Union from that um, political perspective. Now, um, I, I was I, I was a critic of the of the Soviet system. Yeah, okay, you know, I was a socialist, but I was a I was a democratic 
socialist. Yeah, so I was critical of the Soviet system in in, in many 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 uh, many ways. So I, I, I could no one would ever have described me as being pro-Soviet when I was involved in politics. In fact, completely uh, the, the opposite of, of 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 that. So so it was like you know engagement with what we called actually existing socialism, right? From the point of view of trying to understand the Soviet experience, um, you know, to come to terms with it, and including all its um, bad bits from a socialist perspective, particularly particularly Stalin. Um, but we, but obviously we were viewed to actually learning lessons from that history and, and from the way that the Soviet system as a socialist economy and socialist policy, the way it functioned, yeah. So that was that. Um, <clears throat> I suppose the other point to make there is that um, well, I, I, at, at that time, I, I had no time for Stalin in the sense that I, I, you know, I, I didn't think much of Stalin uh, as as a Marxist. Uh, I didn't, didn't, didn't consider. I wouldn't at that time. I wouldn't have considered Stalin as a uh, seriously as an intellectual or as a Marxist. <clears throat> I'd be be highly critical of um, many many aspects of his political rule, and, and and I'm still highly critical of many many different aspects of his. Political rule, but I'm more um, have a more positive attitude or view of him as an intellectual and as a Marxist than I did at that uh, than I did at the time. Okay, so it starts off as, as a political interest in Soviet history, uh, but but later you know but, but later on it, it becomes um, more of an academic and, and a historical uh, kind of interest. So so I, I you know I'm not I'm not studying the history of the Soviet Union now. For the purposes of any political project, um, it's it's about you know, generating knowledge and understanding uh, about events, people have had a huge impact on uh, the history of the world. Now, of course, other people might want to, to to use my work for their own political and ideological purposes. That's fine. That's up to them. But that, that's not my. Um, I, I don't have. I, I have no political. Uh, agenda as such at work uh, in, in, in my work on, on and, and including in, in relation to this book yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i guess throughout the book it's quite clear that you do make a distinction between stalin as as a politician even as a dictator as a titus as but and, and and stalin as a as an individual who is interested in reading books even the books of his uh his let's say his his opponents or his even his enemies but that's something we'll talk about throughout the interview let's talk about this book itself how how did this this is quite a fact there have been a lot of books written about stalin and people have said yeah he was a big reader of uh, books but this is a book about his library and the books he kept so tell us how the book came about you, I think you did travel to Russia to see the library with some of his books. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what I'm guessing. Yeah, you've got this. There's lots of books about Stalin, thousands of books about Stalin. I mean, before this particular book, one we're talking about, my big book about Stalin was a book about Stalin as a war leader. Yeah, um, Stalin, Stalin's wars from World War uh, to Cold War. So that was my, and obviously that that particular book reflected what I was saying earlier about my particular interests in foreign policy and military. Uh, um, the other part of my background is that as, a, as an undergraduate and also as a postgraduate, I was a student of in- international relations. So I wasn't like historian, trained as historian as such. I, I, I was doing IR, as we call it, yeah, international relations. Um, 
yeah, so <laughs> slightly lo- slightly lost my thread there, but I'm sure uh, <laughs> it it, uh, it it will uh, it will come up. Yeah, so so okay, so how how did I come to? Yeah, the the question was how did this book come about, and what were the some of the sources that you used? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just just about to <laughs> explain that. Okay, so a lot of books about Stalin, uh, including uh, by. by by me, how did this particular book come about? It came about because of the availability of a particular source, right? This source being the remnants of his personal book collection, or his, or, or his personal, um, uh, or his personal library. Now, you know, since, the, uh, or particularly since the the the, the breakup, or the, the, the breakup of the communist system, the fall of the Soviet socialism, and so on, um, you know, the, the, the Russian archives opened up. Uh, and there's a huge amount of new evidence, information, documentation uh, has been made available from those archi- archives, including lots of material, confidential material relating to Stalin, what, what he, you know, the, the kind of things he was saying, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, to his closest uh, comrades, what what he was writing. Um, uh, all kinds of um, really interesting, fascinating information about Stalin, which we didn't have access to uh, before uh, the fall of uh, the collapse of communism. But and, and, and when we're talking about this information, we're talking about a mountain of documentation, thousands upon thousands of documents, right? Uh, where Stalin's like fingerprints are all over this stuff. It's a huge amount, a huge body of work, but. Hardly any of it is what you could describe uh, of being of a personal character, and this this his his library collection is a, a source of a very highly personal character because you know they were his books, he collected them part of his collection of of, of, of books, um, but also in several hundred cases he actually marked the books yeah he engaged with them in in writing someone and so 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 so, so, so really so, <clears throat> apart from a, a few <clears throat> letters he read he, he wrote to his wife and his children and his mother <clears throat> did the start did, did his his personal library collection is the most intimate source we have about Stalin, about his thinking it's about his Feelings about his uh, in, 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 in the most thinking. So that's what attracted to me to the project, right? Uh, but but it also coincided with something else which was happening. And we're talking about ten years ago, right? Which was that all this uh, personal library of science, It was all going to be digitized. It was all going to all the all the, all the books. Well, the, all, not the whole library, but all the books that he'd marked. Um, about 400 we're talking about were going to be digitized and made available online yeah okay so the the, the, the prospect was that i could do this piece of research about uh, stalin's library but i could do it at home you know i wouldn't have to be traipsing over to moscow and spending weeks months working in the in, in the russian russian archives um yeah so it was it was the digitization this is a project that was being um, conducted by yale university press so they were going to they were, they were digitizing the whole of Stalin's personal file series, is what it's called, um, including the subset of the remnants of his library, which he had marked he had, uh, uh, in, in, in some, some kind of way. Yeah, um, so that that was what was going going, going to happen. <clears throat> the problem was, <clears throat> and, and Yao did actually. <clears throat> um, uh, digitized a huge amount of uh, Stalin-related 
material for sure. Huge, huge, huge. And it is available online. The problem is that the particular project in relation to Stalin's library books, that project stalled after two or three years. I'm not quite sure why. I've never been able to get to the bottom of it. So the upshot of that was that only one third of these marked books by Stalin's library were digitized. The other two thirds, I had to go to, to Moscow and, and look at them, you know, in situ, you know, you know, look, you know and look at the physical copies and, and study them in the archive itself, right? So the failure um, of the digitization project, whatever the story, usually complicated my research from a logistical uh, point of view. And, it, it, and that, that partly explains why it took me so long to produce the book. So I started working on this book about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so so it's a, but no, I wasn't working on the book uh, throughout that period. I was doing all kinds of other things, yeah. But, but, but over a period of ten years was why I was working uh, on 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 this on this project. Okay, but but here's the thing: it wasn't just yeah, it, 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 it wasn't just the the logistical problems of the research. My having to go to Moscow to look at all these other books which had been digitized, and it's a cumbersome process getting access to the books, and and, and then of course you have to work through them and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's a lot, lot more, lot more time consuming and harder than than, than you know looking at them on your on your uh, your, your your screen. Um, but it, it, that, it, the digitization wasn't the only problem. The other problem I have, and the, the other reason the book took so long to write was that I didn't know how to write the book all right and it wasn't until I found a way of writing the book that I was actually able to write it right um so 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 so, uh, about three years ago I had a, a series of kind of like conceptual breakthroughs in terms of my thinking about how I was going to write this particular book and and how I was going to make the best use of this material from Stalin's personal library right um, and w- w- one of the breakthroughs was okay. It's not. Ju- I'm not just writing a narrow study about his book collection and what he wrote in those books, or what they might tell us about about him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not just writing about Stalin and his books. I'm also writing about the history of the library itself, and, and you know, as an institution, uh, uh, if you like. Yeah? I'm also writing about Stalin as an intellectual, right? I'm not just writing about uh, Stalin uh, as a reader. I'm also writing about him uh, as uh, as an editor, and to a certain extent, as a writer. Writer. So, so it, it, it transformed into a a much kind of broader perspective on Stalin than the one I had started out for. And once I'd made that breakthrough, and and there was uh, something else to happen. We'll, we'll come back to that point later. I think um, I was able to write the book, and, and and I arrived at that point just when. The pandemic, the uh, COVID pandemic broke, right? <laughs> Which, in one way, was was perfect timing. So, so, so then I spent the next two years, actually. So it took me two years to actually write, actually write the book. You know, day in day, out, for most of two years. Yeah, during because we were all like we were on lockdown, we're stuck at home. I, I had no more, I had no more excuses left. I couldn't say, oh, I must do a bit more research or allow myself to be distracted by this. I just had to write, write, write this book. So, so that, that that's what happened. Yeah, but so you know. I delivered the, the manuscript to the publisher uh, eight and a half years after the agreed contractual deadline. <laughs> but actually, I delivered it a year earlier than I than my latest promise. Because at a certain point, I said to my 
editor at Yale said, Joe, I, f- I found a way to do this. I can do this. So what we do, we'll publish it in, in 2023, like actually about now, on the um, uh, 70th anniversary of Stalin's death. That would be a good timing. But actually, I published it. I, I got it done a year before that, so we published it uh, a year ago. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's the story yeah. of the book. It's a fascinating story, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Stalin as a person. You, There are a lot of beautiful quotes in the book that I'd like to read, but I'll just briefly mention some of them. Uh, there is this general perception around the world, I guess, that if somebody reads books, he's, he must be necessarily a good person, but... We know a lot of dictators, a lot of, a lot of really brutal politicians even. Uh, they are great readers of books, but it doesn't necessarily mean reading books doesn't really translate into having being a good person in the world. And that's also the case, yeah, that's also the case with Stan. He, you call him an, a dedicated idealist. And uh, you say that by reading his books, we can, quote from book, we can glimpse into the world through his eyes. We may not get to peer into his soul, but we do get to wear his glasses. And Stalin himself thought about thought of writers as as builders of human spirit. So can you talk about this? Maybe first, Darkar, he was a great writer, a reader. He read a lot of wonderful books, but at the same time, he was a dictator. He treated uh, his opponents brutally. So can you tell us about this? And what do you mean by saying he's a dedicated idealist? What well, the, the, the last question is the easiest. He, he was a, a, an authentic like believer in socialism and communism, right? And Marxism, yeah? Uh, and he believed in the communist utopia in the future. That's, uh, and, and, you know, we know that for certain now precisely because of this library, these library books, yeah? you know? You, you go through read the books to Marx, and, there's, and it's absolutely certain from the, that he believed all this stuff. Yes, and he engaged with it on an authentic, authentic, authentic way. So that's one thing we that the library confirms absolutely. And I don't think there can be any argument about this. It's the authenticity of Stalin's ideology, his idealism, his political commitment, his his commitment to the communist cause. And that that was ne- that wasn't kind of uh, 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 that was that was not uh, that was unwavering, right? So so that, that's the easiest part of the question. A harder bit to answer is um, is that. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was this intellectual. He read all these all this stuff. It was quite interesting. Yeah. As I tried to show in my book, it's actually quite interesting the way he read stuff he wrote. And oh, yeah, really interesting. You know, some some very surprising things in many ways. And yeah. But on the other hand, he's also this brutal dictator. So how can yeah someone like that be? the, the, the interesting intellectual and engaging intellectual, which we who who's, who who we want to follow, seeing the world through his eyes, as I as I put it in, in thing. Um, I, I, no, I think the thing is this: is that okay? He's certainly a brutal a, a dictator, right? But that relates to what he actually believed and what he actually did. Yeah, no doubt what whatsoever um, that you know, uh, he, he was a highly repressive dictatorial leader, practiced mass terror, was personally responsible by his actions and by his policies for the deaths of millions of innocent people. Absolutely no, no doubt about that. But the fact that he was a brutal dictator doesn't mean to say that he was a brutal person. Yeah? I, 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 you know, I, he, he, in many ways, 
you know, Stalin wasn't a nice person. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, he was very unforgiving. Um, he, he he was certainly very ruthless. Uh, he was obsessed with politics. He neglected his family. He ragged with his 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 children. Yeah, he could. Yeah, you know, he, he could. He had a bit of a temper on occasion. So there's all kinds of negative things you can say about Stalin as a, as a as a personality. There's also some good things as well you can say, but that doesn't amount to uh, a peculiarly brutal. Person, I don't think he was. America, some of us say, I don't think Stalin was personally brutal. Right? He was politically and ideologically brutal. Right? It was his politics and ideology that drove his brutality. Right? Not his uh, his his personality or the the, the 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 nature of his character. Well, at least that's the argument I, I put in the put in the book. Right? Now you you mentioned this quote here. Um, yeah, about you know <laughs> the, the the library being um, uh, an an outside window looking in. Yeah, because of course when you're thinking about what people want to know about, saying, well, what was really going on his in his his head, right? And that's the way he, 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 one tends to approach all the confidential information we have about Stalin is that what does this tell us about the real Stalin, what he was really thinking, what he was really feeling, what he was really like, yeah? And, and, and that, that, that particularly, applies, particularly applies to the more personal, the materials, including, of course, his, his library books. And that's how a lot of people approach this um, particular source. It's how I approached it um, uh, 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 originally, um, but here's the thing: I don't think that Stalin was a, a particularly deep person, or personality, or character. Right? I think it's all on; it's mostly on the surface. Um, yeah, uh, he, he, I, I, the way I put it is that he was a you know a political personality, a personality formed by his politics and ideology. And by his experiential engagement with the world through the frame of that of that politics as a politics politics and ideology, right? I don't think there is any depth to be found, you know, psychological depth or emotional depth that is not obviously on the on 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 the certain surface, right? Um, so you know, I, I I think it's wrong to think about uh, the library. Which is what we're talking about as being a window looking as a window into Stalin's mind. Yeah, I think it's a window that enables to, us to look out from Stalin onto the outside world to see the world through his eyes, right? And through seeing the world um, through his eyes, we can get to understand um, and get to know Stalin better, right? And, and, and the other point to make is this: is that you know, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to. Yeah, if you say to me, "Oh well, okay, so what did you learn from this?" You know, what happened? Okay, you 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 followed a Stalin through his eyes via this particular source. So you know, what kind of person comes out at the end? I kind of want to say, well, you know, it, it's you know, to, to to know what I have to say about Stalin, you have to follow me on the journey. Yeah. It's it, you have to read the book and you have to you know it's 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 the road I travel yeah the terrain I navigate and how, yeah the, the world I present and see that's the answer to our question of you know what what was Stalin was really like what kind of person uh, uh, yeah 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 he he was yeah.
Yeah. If you try to sort of like sum it up or reduce it to analytical categories or you know, or, 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 you, or some kind of concept or, or some kind of con, you know, say psychological construct, however it might be, I think I think that that, that missing. You have to, you know, what I try to do in the book. You know, I'm a narrative historian, so what I do try to do in the book is to narrate Stalin's life as a reader, as an intellectual, right, uh, and to follow that story through using this particular source, and that way, um, you know, get get us get us closer to Stalin. I hope that makes some sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It's uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, uh, at the beginning of the interview, or before you started answering. That the good point about the book is that we do see two different styles: him as a politician, and also Stalin as a person who likes to read books. And it perfectly makes. And human beings are complex creatures. It perfectly makes sense when you've been through this journey and you've read the books. And one of the habits of Stalin, which we'll talk about in more depth later on is that he, he kind of, like, he argued with the books he read. He wrote notes on the sides of the books so you could see, like, it's a dialogue between Stalin and the uh, and the writers. But but let's talk about some of the... Uh, can I just interrupt that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but, you know, like, Stalin intellectual, the idealist, the politician, the brutal dictator, they're all the same person. Yeah? They're all, they're all the same person. And, in fact, I think... You could you can explain <clears throat> Stalin the politician, Stalin the brutal dictator, Stalin uh, the person who for decades presides over this rep- massively repressive and violent system, right, which kills millions of people. You can explain that by the fact that he was an intellectual. And the kind of intellectual it was. And okay, this comes back to the point earlier when I was saying about I was having trouble writing the book. I, you know, uh, okay, so I had some like what you might call like practical breakthroughs about how I was going to write it. So I was going to basically broaden its focus and <clears throat> you know tell a much broader story than just one narrowly focused on what books he read and what he might and what he wrote in them and what that might tell us. Yeah, that that, that was only one part of it. But I had like a conceptual almost an emotional breakthrough, <clears throat> when um, I came across, a, 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 I mean, I quote this in the book as well, the definition of an intellectual. And the definition of intellectual is someone for whom ideas are emotionally important. Yeah? And I, I, as soon as I read that, I thought, that's Stalin. Stalin, I, I, Stalin as an was an intellectual for whom ideas were emotionally important. And you can see that. On the pages of his library books, yeah, you can see that the, his emotional ga- engagement is a kind of emotional kind of energy he puts into reading and engaging with, with partic- particular texts. Yeah, so so yeah, the, my argument is that, is that, that, that the fact that <clears throat> there was this huge, powerful emotional energy that <clears throat> Stalin invested in his politics, his ideology, his ideas and beliefs and policies, and right. That helps explain why it was he could sustain this brutal <clears throat> dictatorship over over um, over decades, and also to explain why he can do that without <clears throat> ending up being some kind of like psycho or um, completely represent re- reprehensible human being. Yeah, how uh, you know you, 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 even at the end of this whole story, and you, know, <clears throat> you can come out of it feeling with a little bit of understanding and a little bit of sympathy for Stalin. 
and and what he didn't. Not so, don't, don't, please don't misquote me on that. I'm saying it was right, but you understand, yeah. He, he, so, so, so yeah, so 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 the emotional force of Stalin's intellectuality that was a key kind of uh, breakthrough in terms of my, my ability to write this book. And, and again, I think the crucial thing is, uh, yeah, it's not not just a, I, I think not just a claim I'm making. Well, it's a claim. It's something I think I show in the book. I, that's why I show. It's that, that he had that kind of emotionality. And there's another point in relation to that, which we're going to come back to uh, later in the conversation when you ask me about Stalin and religion. But yeah, well, let's yeah, yeah, proceed. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it. <coughs> yeah. uh, he, he read a lot of books about Marxism, about history, but before talking about them, he, he was he also a fan of, let's say, fiction and poetry and literature? Uh, and, it, and maybe you could also address another question that... A lot of writers were also persecuted in in um, in Russia, but of course your book is not about that. That's a well known part of history. But can you talk about his reading habits when it comes to fictions? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's three types of reading that Stalin um, preferred, like the most. Yeah, um, Marxism, Marxist theory in all its different dimensions. Secondly, history, and then thirdly. Literature, fiction, poems, plays, film scripts, novels, short stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he read an enormous amount of um, of, of of fiction. Yeah. But the, the problem was that our knowledge of, of um, what books of fiction he might have read and what he collected is kind of limited by the fact that after his death, after his death a large part of his library was dispersed to other libraries. It was broken up, right? And the main component of, um, of, of that breakup of the library um, was, the, was his literature collection. So that was virtually all of that was dispersed. So, so we, you know, okay, we know quite a lot about the non-fiction part of his book collection from the remnants we have, yeah. Uh, but we don't know what was in on his what fiction he had on his uh, his on his various um, uh, book, bookshelves. Okay, so 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 in the book, um, I do have a chapter on Stalin and and Soviet Soviet literature, um, but it, it, it's a chapter not that's not based on. On research into his personal library, for reasons I've just indicated, it's based on what he said about literature and, and what he said about his preferences and so on. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's the that's the and, he, and as it turns out, he's he said quite a lot. Now, as a, as a story for that, I wasn't actually going to be, because all his fiction collection had disappeared. I wasn't actually going to cover that topic. Uh, in the book, yeah, because there was no source on it or no library source on it. But when I got towards the end of the project, actually, when I was actually writing it, yeah, in that two years I was intensely writing, I thought, I can't possibly publish a book about Stalin and books, yes? Yeah, <laughs> remember the title, A Dictator and His Books. I, I can't do that without actually saying something about his taste in literature and how he did his literature, right? So, so, that's, so that was what made me... <clears throat> You know, uh, uh, actually write this particular chapter and use these additional uh, kind of sources. And obviously, you can read what it read, read what it says there. Now, in writing that chapter, <clears throat> what I was focused on was um, Stalin and literature. Yeah, I wasn't particularly focused on Stalin and writers. That 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 
circumstance. That only came up incidentally as I'm exploring how, how you know what kind of fiction that Stalin prefers. Now, a number of reviewers, um, number, but well, yeah, two or three anyway, uh, picked me up on this and said, "Well, <clears throat> it, you know, it doesn't say much about you know Stalin's repression of writers or Stalin's relationship with that writer and 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 and, 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 and this writer." Um, but as I say, I wasn't. I wasn't focused on that particular aspect. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't I, in the I, I scope did. of your research, anyway. And, yeah, well, I, yeah. and, and it, it, it does actually, it does actually come up. But having said that, um, I'm hoping to produce a second edition of the book, uh, and I will actually expand that particular chapter to include m- more stuff on on Stalin and his relationship with uh, uh, with various writers. And as it happens, since I published the book. There's been uh, a really good book. Um, I can't remember the name of the author or title or fan, but a very, a very good book about the Soviet Writers um, Union in, in the 1930s and 1940s. Yeah, uh, and so that that that's a very that's a very good source, and that, that will help me um, <clears throat> write that, you know, re- revise that particular chapter and deal with you know m- more with issues about Stalin and and and, uh, and his relationship with writers. Yeah. Cool. No, I'm, I'm kind of curious to find out what this book is. <laughs> I'm gonna. Gotcha. Oh, I was looking. For, I was looking for it earlier, but I just I couldn't mm. find it on my bookshelf. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Of course, you're a literature person, aren't you? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll send you, the, I'll leave yeah. you the title off. Oh, yeah, cool. sure, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Let's go to another part of the, let's say, aspect of the, uh, the, the the book so is it he he was a reader of books did he also write anything about himself any kind of a biography or a diary did he publish anything about his ideas pamphlet well, 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 well okay so so you know stalin was an intellectual an ideologue a political activist a writer and you know the, the, the main thing that stalin did all his life uh, from the beginning of his him becoming a political activist at a young age, yeah, was that he, uh, you know, he, he he read stuff and he wrote stuff and he published stuff. I mean, before the revolution, Stalin, okay, Stalin was a political agitator, but mostly his political agitation took the form of journalism, yeah, and editing editing newspapers, contributing articles, agitation articles, or writing pamphlets, or, mm. or writing, uh, writing yeah, 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 yeah. So, so and, and also he, um, he, he also uh, did some serious. I'm talking about in his early years. He also did some serious kind of like um, research uh, and, and and writing of a Marxist character. So, so for example, it's his biggest. Um, Claim to originality as a Marxist was some 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 right some work he did on Marxism and the, the national question of nationalism, which was published in 1913, Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So so uh, uh, and he, yeah, and he continues to like you know publish throughout his life. And and there is um you know uh, you know from the nineteen thirties onwards there was this project to publish Stalin's collected works. Yeah, uh, which well. Uh, uh, only thirteen volumes 
were actually published because the project was stopped uh, uh, when Stalin died. But yeah, you might be talking about if they had they completed the project, you're talking about sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, uh, uh, actual vo- volumes of his writing. So that's how. Yeah, so so he he wrote and published um, quite a lot himself. He didn't keep um, any diary, uh, and he didn't write. He didn't uh, write any memoirs, um, and that was something he always uh, resisted. Okay, but I suppose the one thing that he did that he did contribute to in terms of writing about himself was was the construction of the official biographies. Of his life, yeah. Okay, so so before before the Second World War, just before Second World War, in nineteen thirty nine, uh, there, uh, there was a biography published, so a short biography. Um, it was called, yeah, yeah, short 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 biography. Now Stalin um, didn't have a lot to do with that particular book, but when 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 they came to revise the book after the Second World War, issue a second edition. Stalin was heavily involved in in the in, in, in that process. He was engaged with that process. So so it, as far as the second yeah, he played quite a significant role in in shaping um his official bi- biography, yeah, the content, the content of it. And and the role that he played was this surprises most people, the, the one of the main roles he played was actually toning down the adulation of Stalin in this in this in this uh, biography, yeah. That, that's uh, what I found surprising when I read your book that he downplayed his role in. Yeah, abs- abs- no, yeah. I haven't said that. There's still a lot of like cult of personality stuff in this book, but but he no he he, he downgraded. It. And what he did was he he downgraded his own role and he upgraded effectively upgraded Lenin's role, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, and, and the reason he did what did this was well, he said he's, he was quite clear about this. Is that you know, yeah, he you know he didn't you know, use this Orwellian phrase. Stalin didn't want wants the people to to love Big Brother, i.e., him. He wanted the people to love the party, to love the Communist Party, to love communism, and also. Also, also Marxism, right? And what worried him about the cult of his personality and you know, <clears throat> exaggerating his own personal importance was it, it undermined people's relationship with the party. Yeah, yeah. It, it meant they, they engaged with him and they didn't engage with the party as an institution, right? Okay, and, and that bears on another, another uh, um, kind of book project he was involved in, which in a way is a kind of... Um, yeah, it has, yeah, it has an autobiographical dimension to it, which is the the short course history of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Okay, the first edition of that was published in uh, well, I think the only edition, can't think of it, uh, was published um, in nineteen thirty eight. Yeah, just before the, the second Second World War, and you know, and it's a it's a history of the party from its foundation up until that point of time, um, and Stalin was heavily engaged in. Um, in the in shaping and editing the, that project, so much so that you you could consider Stalin to be one of its one of its one of its co-authors, yeah. Uh, and he also he also made there's a particular section on it which is a, a bit of a digression, really. But anyway, it's a section called dialectical and historical materialism, right? So so that's a section which was written by Stalin himself and has explicitly accredited him when the book's published, which is his kind of like. Uh, summary or popular popularized yeah popularization summary explanation of the fundamental nature of marxism of dialectical materialism out of historical materialism right um 
Okay, so this this is Star, you know, this is Stalin's history of the Communist Party. This is the way he sees that history and the way he wants that history uh, presented. And of course, it's a kind of very distorted and biased kind of history in, in many ways. Um, uh, very easy to like pick it apart, criticize, criticize it. But but the thing is, um, you know, because he was such an over politicized personality. This history of the party was effectively, you know, at least in part, his own personal history. Yeah, his own personal history. Because you know, all the stuff he described there, all the different, the thinking, the factional fights, the political developments, what the party does then, there, all, all the stuff that's going on, that's Stalin's part of Stalin's life uh, experience uh, uh, as well. So you can actually read the short. History of the Communist Party, as as in in a way, almost, you know, to a certain extent, um, you know, Stalin's autobiography, and the same applies about the official short biography. To a certain extent, you can. Some people would argue that effectively that short biography is his his, his autobiography. I think that probably goes goes too far, but yeah, I think that, that, that I know what they mean when they make that that argument. And and what about his? The, the political books, I mean, the Marxist books here, who were his favorite Marxist uh, writers? I'm, I'm particularly keen to know more about Trotsky because uh, Trotsky was assassinated in Mexico and he was one of the... I mean, Lenin, towards the end of his life, was kind of critical of Stalin. But Stalin kept reading their books. And also maybe you could tell us about the types of notes he wrote on the margin of the books, parts of it he agreed with or disagreed with, yeah? Well, Lenin is his favourite Marxist, yeah. Lenin, and then followed by by Marx, and then um, and then then uh, Engels. I, you know, Stalin idolised uh, Lenin. Um, Stalin, you know, Lenin was Stalin's um, role model, including, I think, in relation to his personal book collection and his personal library, because Lenin. Was a big reader as well. He had a huge personal uh, book collection. That Lenin, uh, after he came to power, you know, he worked in in an office and at home, surrounded by books. Yes, <laughs> yeah, real intellectual work. And the same was uh, the same was true of Stalin. So I think you know Stalin's very much modelling himself in um, as a reader, as an intellectual uh, on Lenin. Okay, and yeah, there was this episode towards the end of where where Lenin. You know, I don't really want to go into it much here, but Lenny does say some negative things uh, about Stalin. Also, Lenny also says negative things about Trotsky and about Bukharin. Um, this is his so-called you know, uh, last testament or political, political testament. But I, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that bo- um, bothered Stalin too much. I mean, some people argue that this had a huge kind of psychological. Uh, impact on Stalin. He was very upset by this Lenin's testament and what Lenin said about him. Um, I, 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 I'm not buying it. I just don't see it. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the case. I think that from Stalin's point of view, that was a minor matter. What Lenin said. Now, what he really resented and didn't like was the way other people in the party, Trotsky among others, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, used uh, Lenin's testament. Uh, and maybe even distorted it for their political purposes. He certainly was very upset uh, by that, but I don't think uh, I don't think he was undermined under, undermined by it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, you mentioned Trotsky. Yeah, um, that was one of the um, s- yeah the big surprises 
of, of my, you know, for me in terms of this research was the high regard that he had for Trotsky's writings, right? Right until the, the middle of mid 1920s, yeah. I think Stalin's falling out with Trotsky. It, it comes much later than most people think, because most people think that you know the falling out with Trotsky comes you know, when Lenin gets sick or when Lenin dies, when the whole issue is you know, who's going to succeed Lenin. You know, so like 1923, 1924. Uh, I, I, I don't think it actually. I, I think I would place it much later than that. Um, late 1920s, at, at a point at which Trotsky is um, exiled. To Alma R to uh, and then then he's he's expelled from the country so much much later and, until like right until the mid nineteen twenties as far as I can see Stalin is reading Trotsky's writings very respectfully and he's learning from it and you know it's, and again another general point Stalin was quite capable of <clears throat> of of learning from uh, his political opponents uh, okay he he then he he read his political opponents in order to gather ammunition against them to see what he was up against and so on but he also read them with a view to learning from them for 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 bring, taking up positive points and that was certainly the case with trotsky and, and the, the book i um i um used as a case study in you asked about his markings but was uh, uh the book i used as a case study uh in, in my book is is um stalin's reading of Trotsky's terrorism and communism, yeah, and and basically Trotsky's terrorism was was a defence of Bolshevik authoritarianism and Bolshevik um, dictatorialism um, after the Russian Revolution and in the context of the Russian the, the, the Russian civil Russian civil war, right? And ba- basically Trotsky justified, um, the, you know, the, 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 the harshly repressive. Bolshevik policies after the revolution, and particularly during the Civil War, on grounds of uh, expediency that you know, the, you know, the revolution had to be defended, come what may. If you fail to do what was necessary to defend the revolution, then you are missing a historic opportunity to transform the world in a socialist direction. So that that that's that's and 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 Stalin reads Trotsky's book, and, uh, and it's clear from the way he marks it, the comments comments he makes. Um, that that he he approves of Trotsky's argument, and indeed the kind of arguments that Trotsky makes now, but are ones that Stalin himself recycles time and time again as the the fundamental you know, rationalization for the, for um, repressive uh, you know Soviet state uh, socialism, right? And that that rationalization is that 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 you know, socialism is in the interests of the people, uh, even if they don't want to recognise it uh, themselves. And <clears throat> that system has to be defended against its enemies and its enemies can't be allowed to subvert the thinking and feelings of, of, of ordinary people. And, of course, that if you start from that point of view, then obviously that's where you get censorship, that's where you get control of uh, people's thinking or attempt at thinking, control of what they can say, what they can publish. And so that you get you get an authoritarian uh, political system, which is what developed it develops uh, uh, in, in, in the Soviet Union after the Russian Revolution. Now, you asked about markings, yeah? <coughs> um, yeah, what sort of things did you write on the margins of the book? Because you, for the benefit of the audience, I, I do strongly recommend that they get the book and go through the book because you have examples of the sort of 
uh, markings that they put on the and there are pictures of actually yeah so you can actually see, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, see, you can see yeah, what yeah, the stuff yeah, yeah. wrote <clears throat> yeah I, I, yeah because okay so when, when yeah, did this um, okay so this source so the remnants of Stalin's library it, it, it's it's okay the idea that Stalin you know read a lot uh, and you know probably had a lot of books uh, that was a particularly exceptional kind of idea you know, you, you, of course he would have yes particularly given his own intellectual pretensions um you know uh, of course of course but we we didn't really know uh, the extent of his book collection and the depth of his engagement with reading books until the late 1980s late 1980s early 1990s that's when this source is kind of like discovered to exist and then after the Soviet collapse, early nineties onwards, it becomes accessible um, to to, you know, to to researchers. And of course, what people are most interested about the remnants of Stein's library are those books that he marked. And they're particularly interested in what he actually wrote in those books. Yeah, and so they're searching for yeah some fundamental insights into Stein's thinking. Through what through the notes he makes in the margin, what he writes, uh, and, and and quite often they're looking they're looking for some kind of smoking gun, which will uh, prove their own their own pre existing theory uh, or, or explanation of Stalin and of Stalinism. So so so, so that that's what the focus of it is on. But actually, it, you know, it's it's not a, a focus or a journey or or a search that that took people. Very subtle. In fact, what it did, it led to them making kind of like exaggerated claims, and also making mistakes. Actually, misidentifying pieces of writing in Stalin's library books, which weren't actually Stalin's. He didn't actually. It wasn't his handwriting. It was someone else had, had, had written it. Um, uh, anyway, so so. But having said that, you know, when I came along. And I, I, you know, and you know, this is like twenty years later because I, you know, I didn't start researching this, doing this work uh, until the early two thousand tens, and the material we're talking about had been accessible to, to one degree or another for fifteen twenty years, something like that. Um, yeah, and I was interested in the same thing. Yeah, I was, I was, I had the same kind of thinking. You know, what Stalin writes in the margin, um, it will tell us what he was really thinking. Yeah, uh, give us you know depth of insight into his mind that we can't get from any 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 other source. And yeah, to be quite honest, I didn't find that to be the case when I did the actual research. Yeah, Mo- okay, it's interesting, fascinating, but most of what he writes in the margin, you could have guessed anyway from what he said publicly or from his published writers. It's it's almost wholly unexceptional and predictable. Again, I'm not saying it's, it's very interesting indeed. Um, but the other thing I discovered was that if you're talking about Stalin's um, markings, and it's what the Russians do, you have this great word called pametki, and pametki refers to, you know, could refer to um, verbal markings, but also non-verbal markings, i.e. lines, underlinings, and in the margin. What I discovered was that Stalin's non-verbal uh, Pameki, you know, underlinings and sidelinings, that kind of thing, were by far his most common form of annotation. When he read books, that's mostly um, what he did. 
he, he, he underlined things, yes? And, and, of course, that shows you what he was interested in, yeah? And also, uh, I, I later on discovered that he, he also used to um, put strips of paper in books um, as a way of, like, retrieving what he might have underlined or, or just as a, a substitute for, for writing them in, 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 in as well. Right. Yeah, so, 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 so once, once I realised that, then, then, then a lot of, I, 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 quite a lot of my focus in terms of, you know, the Pemeki is on the, the non-verbal stuff rather than, uh, you know, uh, r- r- rather than the, the verbal stuff, right? Okay, but but in terms of, you know, the actual words he uses, he uses all kinds of things. You know, so, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, one word which expresses some kind of attitude to, to, toward the text. Others, it might be words or phrases which just indicate what the content of the text is. Yeah, yeah, and then sometimes he does actually, um, you know, write some sentences out and engage in a kind of dialogue uh, with, you know, and I give uh, many examples uh, of that in the book. But actually, the, the, the most frequently used annotation of his is um, is, is, is note bene nb. In Latin script, that was his most frequent thing. That's the thing he wrote down more than anything else, thousands of times. You can find his library books. He's written MB in, against a particular point or a particular, particular information. So that, that that's kind of kind of interesting. Um, I mentioned Trotsky earlier. Um, you know, one of the reasons I know that he approved of terrorism and communism, Trotsky's argument. Which was because he uh, he wrote in the book he used another word in that book uh, called metka metka, which means spot on bullseye. Yeah, that's the point. You're right, absolutely right. That kind of thing. It's, it's untranslatable, actually, but that's the kind of thing. And he, he wrote that several times in Trots, Trotsky's test. The, the, the other um, the, the, his other his second favorite annotation after NB was ha ha. I was in love. Ha ha. Yeah, and it was. Always, it wasn't. It, it was. It very rarely was it. Oh, that's funny. It was a derisory kind of laugh. You can't be serious. This is that's ridiculous. Ha ah, ah, ha ah. ha. Yeah, how absurd is that? Yeah, lots of ha ha ha's. Yeah, in that book. Mm. And uh, in his, did he ever? read Bible in his early days and how about religious books after he rose to power? So, so going back to sorry about the Pemeki, you know, what I've just said, you know, his use of NB and his use of underlined, you know, it shows that what kind of reader he was. Well, it shows that he could be a very active and engaged reader. It shows that he's like he's reading to learn, yeah? And he's le- he's learning to, he's, he's marking stuff because he wants to retain the information in some way in his head, yes? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and so, so that, that that's you know that that's the point about it. Yeah, it's you know he, he's a learning reader. That that's one thing that's absolutely clear from seeing all these Pameki in, in their, their various versions. Okay, so you had a question about the Bible, yeah? Yeah, I mean uh, Bible and also specifically religious books. After he rose to power, did he have an interest in religious books? I don't think so. I, I know no evidence that that is the case. I mean, there are some Russian nationalists 
or Orthodox Church people who liked to claim that you know Stalin remained religious all his life, and he was a secret Bible reader. And but you know, that, that's there is absolutely no evidence for any of that. And Stalin, you know, he he you know, cause Stalin was educated educated by the Church. Then he was in a in a seminary, trying to be a priest, uh, but. Um, Stalin, uh, you know, when when he abandoned uh, his religion and became a Marxist, communist, political activist, Bolshevik, uh, he left all of that 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 behind. And no, I, I know of no evidence that he spent a great deal of time up from that point on uh, studying religious texts or stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, having said that, he was certainly interested in the history of um, of Christianity and the Church and the institution, but that was from like a Marxist materialistic point of view about the progressive role that that Christianity and, and the Church at certain points in history, in Russian history or Jordan history, played in development. Yeah, so see, but but no, he was interested in in, in religion and uh, church history from a historical Marxist political point of view, not from from any kind of religious perspective. Now, in terms of the Bible, um, of course, you know, central to his studies as a church school student and then in seminary, seminary would be reading studying the christian bible so i'm assuming that that he that's what he did i don't know that we, there are no like surviving copies of of a bible where we what do we know that's done and read but i'm assuming that that was uh that that what that was the case and, and yeah i think you'd probably say that the bible is probably the book that Stalin read most his most read book because of because of his um early early schooling yeah but there's another interesting point to be made about styling and religion. Again, it's something that you won't find this in the book. It's something that, that's come up subsequently. Is that you know, <clears throat> a friend and colleague of mine said to me, okay, so your argument is that Stalin was this emotionally charged intellectual, right? Um, and, and you think that's important in terms of understanding him as a political and ideological actor. Fair enough. Where did this emotional charge come from? What was the source of that? What was the the origin of that, right? Given that you kind of like, he's saying this to me, do you assume kind of like psychologicalistic kind of, you know, reductionist kind of arguments? Where does it come from? And what he suggested to me, and I think he's right, he suggested it, that it comes from the young Stalin's religious experience, yeah? His it's religious sensibility and emotionality, yeah? Because by all accounts, Stalin, and also his mother, of course, was a true believer, yeah? And he had, you know, and I think we can assume that he had an emotional, as many people who are religious, who do believe in Christianity or any religion, it's an emotional kind of thing. It's kind of feeling thing, isn't it, yeah? That's what the faith is based on, to some extent anyway. It's based on feeling as well as like an intellectual uh, commitment or an institutional commitment right so i so i think you know that that that's that was the that's that's you know the the, the first iteration of stalin the emotional intellectual i think was stalin um the christian the young christian believer yeah that's that's the source of it so in that sense um that's that, that, yeah okay. So Stalin does break with religion, you know, when he's a teenager. But there's a fundamental continuity in his life as an intellectual, which you can trace right away from this his early um, religious sensibilities right away through to the end of his life, yeah, uh, until his death in 1953. 
anyway, so um, but that, but that was that was you know that that that, that you won't find that argument in the book. Um, that was a point. Of, I think I think that's right. I think that was a very interesting um, interesting point to make. <laughs> But it's an interesting thing. You, you you write a book, but you you, don't, you never stop. You, okay, you write a book and you publish it. You never actually start rewriting it. Yeah, editing, adding to it, and learning new and stuff like that. Yeah, which is why I'm really hoping that I will be able to do a, a, good, a proper uh, second edition of the book and and put a lot. I mean, other stuff. I'm probably going to say here as well. Get include that in the book. Yeah. Sorry. That, next that, question. That, that reminds me of Beckett, who once said that you know, writing is a never-ending act. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, yeah, earlier you mentioned that Lenin was his role model, and it was interesting to me when I was reading your book that they had the same librarian, this character, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, Shushanika, was uh, Lenin's librarian, and then she be- he, she became Stalin's librarian, and she, ha- she helped Stalin maybe come up with a categorization system for his library. Can you tell us a little about her? Yeah, I, actually, I don't know. I, I would say uh, her name is Shushanika, but but my like Russian stress is all quite often uh, wrong. So your pronunciation, <laughs> the other the other the other uh, the other complication is that she was she was Armenian, in ethnically Armenian. Like she was she was boiling southern Russia. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. But actually, she had a diminutive, which which the pronunciation is clear. It's uh, Shusha. Yeah, Shusha. That's a diminutive. So Shusha, Shushanika, or as I say, Manicharans. Okay, yeah, yeah. She, she, well, she was, um, she, yeah, she, 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 she was a Bolshevik. Yes, a member of the Bolshevik Party. And in, um, so exactly when, nineteen nineteen, no, nineteen twenty, I think it was. She went to work for Lenin, and she went to work for Lenin at his personal, personal library. Yeah. That's that's what she did. Be, the reason she did that, she wasn't a, a trained professional librarian. But before she started working for, in Lenin's office, she'd be working for a um, a publisher in Moscow or St. Petersburg. Can't remember where exactly. Yeah, maybe St. Petersburg. Uh, and she'd been in charge of that publisher's library, right? Okay. So anyway, so she becomes um, uh, Lenin's. Um, personal librarian right and that's to say she, she's in charge of ordering books for him and organizing books for him and also um you know uh, providing him with books that he want, wants to read yeah so servicing him lenin as a, a as a as a librarian okay so um lenin dies in 1924 and she she continues to work as lenin's librarian in the sense that she continues to work for Lenin's widow, Krupskaya, and Lenin's sister, uh, Maria, in the capacity of a librarian, presumably helping them dealing with you know, uh, Lenin's personal book collection and you know, what's, what's going to happen to that, right? Um, okay, but then in 1925, um, she gets involved in organising Stalin's personal book collection. Why that happens, I'm not quite sure, um, but it might be because Shusha was also a friend of Stalin's um, wife, uh, Nadezhda. Nadezhda, she worked in Lenin's office as well. Yeah, so so it may it might have been that like um, uh, personal uh, personal collection, right? Uh, and basically, what happens is that Stalin asked Shusha to to you know, sort out, organize. Um, 
his personal book collection. And by this time, I estimate he's got maybe uh, at least a thousand, maybe a couple of thousand books. So that's what he asked to do. And, and, and her response to Stalin is, okay, I'll do it. But you, but how do you want me to organise the collection? How do you want me to classify your books? And that prompts Stalin to actually to devise a classification scheme for for his books. Okay, and, and a copy of that scheme, the original and also the translation on, uh, is in my book. So she, he basically, he writes to her, uh, says, okay, this is how I want you to classify my different books. And basically, the classification scheme he wants is, is, is a kind of a combination of a conventional, it's a conventional classification scheme with a Marxist spin. So he asked her to classify his books in terms of subject matter, you know, psychology, history, um, sociology, yeah, subject subject based. But then he, he also asked her to classify books into uh, particular things that he's interested in as a Marxist and a revolutionary. So, for example, the history of re- revolution, um, or yeah, uh, but also um, to. Um, you know, a subclassification of um, uh, you know prominent Marxists, yes. Um, top of the list, of course, being Lenin, <laughs> followed by Marx and Engels, uh, and then yeah, then who comes forth was a guy called uh, Plekhanov, who who was one of the founders of um, Marxism in Russia, Russian Marxism, and then fifth on the list, by the way, is Trotsky. So Trotsky is part of his Stalin's pantheon of significant Marxist figures, theoreticians, intellectuals in Stalin's own classificationists. Okay, so 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 okay, so so that that's that so so we have this thing which is very very interesting. What what that classification team tells you is, is well it, it tells you the kind of stuff that Stalin was interested in, the subject matter, and it's very, very broad um in, in terms of like humanities and social sciences. Although having said that it's it, 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 what Stalin is interested in is only what you'd expect a Marxist to be interested in, right? Because Marxism is a kind of like universalistic, all-encompassing kind of ideology and theory. It's interested in, in everything in human affairs and aspires to have an explanation or to construct a knowledge about every aspect of human affairs. And, and how do I know that? Um I know that because I was a Marxist myself, and that that was that that was, and actually, I I I I I constructed my own personal library, which reflected those breadth of interest. And the, the kind of shocking thing to me when I started dentistry research was how similar my personal library, dating from the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, was to Stalin's personal library. Uh, in terms of the, the types of books, the subject matter, lots of the same authors. Obviously, mine's in English, yours is in Russian. But, uh, so, so, yeah, okay. So, 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 in a way, it's not. Um, it, yeah, okay, yeah. It, it shows the breadth of his interests, but it, it's it's not that. It's not a surprising breadth. It's what you'd expect from someone who's a Marxist and believes that Marxism is this universal container of of human knowledge, or at least human knowledge about humanity. I mean, obviously, where natural world comes into it, it's a bit, a bit of a more complicated uh, situation. So, so it's interesting from that point of view. Okay, but then, then the, the other thing that um, uh, Shusha does for Stalin, she devises with him with a um, an ex libris stamp, a stamp which... She stamps his books, and it's a stamp, and yeah, which says, you know, this book belongs. This is from Stalin's library. Yeah, yeah. 
This is that's what the stamp stamp said. And she'd done the same thing for Lenin. Yeah. Lenin had his own library stamp as well, the ex libris stamp. And the design of the two stamps is exactly the same, or virtually the same. So my, my, my um, assumption is that, that, that Shusha, she devised Lenin's stamp and then she did the same thing for Stalin. And then she also um, she also numbered the books that was in Stalin's um, library at that time. We're talking about in the mid-1920s, right? And she started, so she stamps them and then she she, 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 uh, she, she numbers them, basically, yeah? Um, as a, presumably as a way of, like, keeping track of the numbers and also part of the, the catalogue uh, that... that that presumably she, she she devises for it, right? Okay, so so that's what she does. Um, she 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 sort she organises book, classifies his books, she stamps them, uh, she numbers them, and this system of um, stamping the books continues uh, uh, in, in, until about nineteen thirty three, and then for some reason it stops, uh, presumably to do with staff changes. Now by this time. Shusha's moved on. She, she, you know, she, she's left the Kremlin. I think she only worked for Stein as a personal librarian in a, in a part-time capacity for, for a few months, maybe a year. I don't know, not, not much longer than that. But then she, she moves on and she actually she, 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 she goes and works um, uh, uh, somewhere else. But, but, but she has a lasting impact on Stalin's personal library because <clears throat> she actually it, it's her activities of Stalin's library that transforms his personal book collection into an identifiable personal library right? and it's also her the identification markers that she creates i.e this this stamp that actually preserves preserve the library for posterity because when when after stalin's death and Specifically, after Stalin had been attacked by Khrushchev at the Twenty um, Party Congress in 1956, the party takes decisions to disperse his personal effects, Stalin's personal effects, including his books. What's retained by the party, by the party archive, are those books that had been stamped, that bear his stamp. So they're identifiably belonging belong to belong to Stalin, and also. It's other, the books that he'd marked, he'd written in, and then also uh, there are other categories that, that, that were saved as well. They've been like dedicated to Stalin or were signed by their, by their authors and then and they'd be presented uh, to Stalin. But all the other books, yeah, many, many thousands, um, including his fiction collection, because for some reason, fiction books, when they were never stamped, only the non-fiction books, they were all dispersed to other lives. They, they all, they all, uh, they all disappeared. So what we end up with, like, the, the remnant of Stalin's library, which is obviously the basis of my research this book, is about, is about um, we're talking about about 5,500 books, um, of which uh, about 500 of them are marked in some way. Okay, and the other five thousand, which are not marked by Stalin's Pameki, we, we they're identified as belonging to him because of this stamp, or because you know they were signed by the author. Various various things are identified. So that that that's that, that yeah, that's that's Shusha's role in uh, this particular story. And well, let me ask you a final question: When you were researching his library, the remnants that were left, did you? Did you 
Did you pick up on any, let's say, noticeable shift in his reading habits or types of books he was reading during different uh, periods of his time, especially before and after revolution? Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we don't know too much about what Stalin um, read and how he read before the revolution, because. You know, his book collection postdates the revolution. It's only when, like, he sells down and becomes, he was in power effectively. That, but he that was he begins, still an avid reader when he was a young yeah, person, yeah, we, right? We know that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's absolutely clear. We know that from many sources, including what stuff that he wrote himself. All kinds of sources tell us that he was an, an, an avid reader. That, that's, that's for sure. But, 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 yeah, how he, you know, how what kind of a reader he was? I, I can only presume that, that he, he, you know, as a young man, he read, um, he read the same way as he did in later life. I, I don't see any reason to to doubt uh, that there was any there was any difference. But 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 of course, Stalin, um, he, he, his his interests do change over time. Yeah. Okay. There are some enduring interests. He's always interested in Marxist theory, right? He's always interested in um, uh, in history, and he's always interested in. In literature, particularly uh, you know, the great literature, you, know, you ask me, well, what kind of fiction did Stalin like, um, like and read? Well, the, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the classics, the classics of Russian and world history, particularly like realist and naturalist literature. That that's that's what you're. So there are enduring interests, but but as he moves through his life, depending what's happening, um, uh, it, what projects is he engaged in, engaged in, what's happening in Soviet system and so on. What's happening historically, internationally? Then, then he his, his interests shift, right? So his interests are very. Is it what he reads is very driven by pre- pressing problems that he faces. Yes, issues. So, for example, from the mid to late nineteen thirties onwards, he starts to read a lot of stuff about military theory and military strategy. Now, he'd always been, you know, his interest in military stuff goes back to the Russian Civil War, but but he does, I mean, why does he do that? He does that because there's a war coming. There's a big war coming, yeah? Yeah. Um, well, uh, he, he has a lot of interest in, <clears throat> in economic issues at particular stages in, you know, in Soviet history when economic stuff was to, 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 the, to the forefront, yeah? So, yeah, so, so, so his, his, his interest... Does shift and develop um, as his political concerns change or his focus change? Yeah. But in a way, I'm inclined to say, yeah, he, he's I, he, he's reading the same way and the same stuff more or less throughout the whole of his life. Yeah. In terms in terms of his um, pamiki, uh, he he he, uh, he, uh, he marks less as he gets older, uh, and he certainly writes less. Yeah. He, he writes. He, 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 he writes. He writes. He uses less words. Yeah. Uh, so, so he gets less wordy and less detailed in his, in his promenade as uh, as he gets older. But apart from that, you know, he, he's marking blocks the same way. Uh, you know, in nineteen fifty, as he was in nineteen twenty. So again, another indicator of you know continuity. You know. A lot of people like to see, you know, they have this view of there's, there's many different Stalins. Um, I, I just don't see that. You know, there's only one Stalin. It's Stalin the intellectual. It's Stalin the ideological 
and political personality. It's Stalin, the political actor, engaged in a particular kind of actually quite brutal, repressive politics. But, but they're all part of the same thing. They're all one thing. Yeah, they're, 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 a, they're a totality. And certainly, of course, that's how Stalin experienced <laughs> it. That's him. No, that, that's him. That he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's one person, yeah? like we all are. Uh, Professor Jeffrey Roberts, thank you very much for your time and sharing your thoughts on New, Bo New Books Network. And I do strongly encourage our listeners to, to get this book and read it. It's an absolutely fascinating read on uh, Joseph Stalin. Thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you.